It is awesome to be here. It's awesome to be here on Dad's Day. And I am so blessed to be at City Church. And I have loved walking through the book of Jonah together. And we're going to continue that. And the series in Jonah we've called Just the Worst. Because as prophets go, Jonah is just the worst. Right? They don't make worse prophets than Jonah. Just a recap on where Jonah's been in this story Um, he's a prophet, a prophet of God, and prophets have a very simple job. Okay, I didn't say easy. There's a distinction, but it is simple. Okay, when God tells you something, you say it. He says, go tell these people this thing, and then you do that. that. That's all your job is as a prophet. Jonah hears a word from the Lord at the very beginning of the story. God says, go to Nineveh and preach against them because they have been evil. And Jonah says, okay, God, um, different idea. I'm going to go the exact opposite direction. I'm going to go to a place called Tarshish, which is nowhere near Nineveh. I'm going to book a ticket and and I'm going to hop on a ship and we're going to go to the exact opposite place that you told me to go. And while he's riding on that ship, he's with a whole bunch of sailors, none of whom know the God of Israel. They don't worship Yahweh. And while he is on that ship with them, He doesn't witness to them. He doesn't tell them about his God. All he does is he casually tells them, hey, I'm running away from God. What are you doing? And and that's not exactly how it's described in Jonah 1, but it does say that he tells them that he's running away from God, as a great prophet should, right? That should be your elevator speech if you're a prophet. Like, hey, I'm running away from God. What's up with you? Um, So he's running away from God, and because of his disobedience, a massive storm comes up and threatens to destroy the ship that he's on. And so all of these sailors are throwing everything they can find overboard to try and save the life of the ship and themselves. And while that's going on, Jonah is compassionately taking a nap in the bottom of the boat. And he's fast asleep. And so everybody's freaking out. Sure, they're going to die. And so they go and they wake up Jonah and they say, hey, can you help us with this a little bit? And he's like, oh, oh, actually, yeah, I can. Um, this is all my fault. I, I, I worship the God who who controls the sea and the earth. And, and so we're actually in this position because of me. Really, you guys, you probably just need to throw me overboard and kill me, and that will take care of the problem. And they say, mm, let's try something else because apparently the sailors are, are more compassionate, loving people than the prophet who speaks for God. And, and so he says, no, 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 seriously, this is the only way that this thing's gonna get better. And so they, they mercifully throw him overboard. And when they do, the, the storm stops And God, instead of letting Jonah die, sends a giant fish to swallow him inside the belly of the fish. He's there for three days and three nights, and he prays. And he says, God, please save me. And so God has the giant fish vomit him back up on dry land. And I say that because that's what the Bible says. It says the fish vomits him up onto dry land. So that's where we are. That's the story of Jonah so far. He is just the worst prophet, but it only gets better, right? So we pick up in Jonah chapter three, and it says, the the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you, right? And I just have this this vision of Jonah being a strong-willed child and God is his father, I don't know if any of y'all have had a strong-willed child in your family. Maybe you were a strong-willed child. We have one in our home, and um, 
you just follow my wife's Instagram account and you will see all of the ways that we have a strong-willed child in our home. But we are learning a whole lot because nobody gives you the manual for what to do with that, right? Like you just, it, it takes you by storm and you have no idea. And so I'm trying to gather all the information I can on what do we do with this strong-willed child? And, and James Dobson says, you know, you have to break through to that child without breaking their spirit. Because there's a lot of really, really good things that come with being a strong-willed person, right? There's grit, there's resolve, there's determination, there's leadership. That's what we say with our daughter. When she, she is just being a little spitfire, we say, that's leadership. Um, and, and we just try to get through it. But, but she, like, he says, you know, you, you don't want to break that. That's a good thing. And so you've got to break through to that child without breaking their spirit. And so I, I was listening to an interview with him, and he was talking about strong-willed children, and, and he was talking about picking and choosing your battles because you don't want to, you don't want to declare war over every little thing. And so you got to choose. What are the things that are worth fighting for? What are the things that I have to be right on? And, and somebody asked, they said, what, what is a battle that I cannot lose with my strong-willed child? And he thinks about it for a second, and he says, the first one. Don't lose the first battle because that sets a tone for the rest of them. And you don't want a life with a strong-willed child who thinks that they might be able to win every fight they go into. And so I just thought that was like fascinating advice and I would have liked to have known that before my first battle. But um, that's really good advice for someone who's not parenting. Um, Anyway, I just see this conversation play out between God and Jonah, right? It starts and, and... God says at the beginning of the story, hey, go to Nineveh, preach against them. Give them preach the message that I tell you. And Jonah then, of course, is disobedient and goes the opposite way. And so now we have Jonah who has been vomited up back on the shore and, and covered in the stomach of a whale or whatever he's got going on. And God comes back to him and says, hey, Jonah, let's try this again, okay? How about you go to Nineveh and preach the message that I'm gonna give to you, right? And it's like the exact same thing that he said before. He's just saying it again now with fish guts all over him. And Jonah this time obeys, right? Because the last time it didn't go so well. So Jonah 3.3, 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it, okay? And just a refresher on Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, Right, and the Assyrians are bad dudes, okay? You don't mess with Assyria. In the ancient world, there were, there were no people more savage than the Assyrians, okay? They, their sort of motto was like, you can start something, but we're gonna finish it, right? You can mess with us, but you will regret that you did. And we're gonna let everybody else know just what a bad idea it was for you to try anything, okay? Regularly, when they would conquer people, they would go in and anybody that had resisted them, they would chop off their heads and they would put those heads on stakes outside of their cities and line their roads with them so that people would know this is what happens if you mess with Assyria. Okay, do not speak against us. I will also give Jonah a little bit of credit because for people who chop off people's heads who speak against them, when God says, hey, go speak against those people, I'm gonna think as well, Maybe not. Maybe I don't want to go to Nineveh, 
right? I'm not going to walk into the capital city of the people who chop off other people's heads and say, hey, you guys are really bad and you need to change your ways. But that's what God tells Jonah to do. And so Jonah, having already almost died on a ship, being thrown overboard, eaten by a fish and vomited back up, says, I'll go, right? It's not gonna go any better if he doesn't. So he goes. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh and it's this massive city thousands of years ago. It takes three days to walk from one side to the other. And Jonah goes in and on the first day it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And in my head, I think that's maybe more enthusiastic than Jonah proclaimed it. Right, like I picture Jonah as LeBron James behind a press table after he has played the Golden State Warriors. Okay, there were, there were four videos of that this year because that's all Golden State needed to beat him. But, but LeBron sitting behind a table after a finals game is, next question please, is just get me out of here as fast as we possibly can. No, this was not good, I don't like it. Like, it just the most apathetic, uncomfortable human being you can imagine, that's Jonah walking in Nineveh. And I can just hear him saying, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 days and Nineveh. Like, he, he records eight words of this message. Okay, that's his giant proclamation. It's eight words. And I have to believe that Jonah said more than eight words, but that's all he records. That's what he says the message is. 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the message that he's delivering from God is, hey, your way is not a good way. Okay, what you are doing is not okay. And if you keep this up, you are going to find your destruction. Okay, and God does not promise how that's gonna happen. He doesn't say whether it's gonna come directly from him, whether it's gonna come from somebody else or whether it's gonna come from their own hands. But the, but the word is, get your stuff together, go a different way, or this is not going to end well for you, right? And that word overthrown, the Assyrians knew it really well because they overthrew people all the time, right? And so I have to imagine when they hear 40 more days and you're going to be overthrown, that was a little bit alarming because the Assyrians did not ever like getting overthrown, right? The Babylonians come in a while later and they take them out, but, but for a long time, all the Assyrians do is they overthrow people. And so here you have this prophet saying, in just over a month, you're going to be overthrown. And so Assyria, this is absolutely crazy what happens next. Assyria listens. They listen to the prophet, right? And so the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. That's incredible, 
right? So Jonah goes in and he gives this apathetic eight-word message and they listen. And word gets to the king, right? Jonah's been there one day and, and he's, it's, he's a third of the way through the city if you go by that measurement that they give. And he says, hey, you guys need to change how you're doing things. This is not going to end well for you. And they all say, oh, well, maybe we should. Word gets to the king and the king says, everyone stop. This is a big deal. We have to change how we do things. And so change everything. Let's change course. Another way you could say that is let's repent. Right? And so let's, let's change how we're doing things because this is not going to end well. Everybody put on sackcloth. Put, on, put sackcloth on the animals. Right? Like the king goes all in on, on trying to turn things around. He, he says, let's cover up the animals and make them mourn. I just want to know, the king is not taking care of any animals himself if he's declaring that we should put sackcloth on chickens and goats, right? Like, like that is a statement declared by a man who does not have any chickens or goats himself. Have you ever tried to, just imagine that. Like, we get a burlap, burlap sackcloth and, and try and think of how you're gonna bungee that to your animals. And I don't think that's going well for anybody, but that's what the king says. Like, we're all in, okay? We are, we are gonna change this thing up. We are gonna do this right, and, and we're destined for destruction anyway. We get it, but maybe. Maybe if we turn a different way, God could have some mercy and compassion. And something absolutely insane happens, and God does have mercy and compassion. Right, the next verse says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And this seems really, really crazy, right? And, and I know a lot of people, when they read this for the first time, it's like, wait, God, God should not do that. Can God change his mind like that? Like, these are, and these are bad people. These are Assyrians, Right? It is not, no, God's not supposed to like love these people. That's exactly what Jonah thinks, by the way. And we'll unpack that more next week. But, but Jonah is not, not cool with this scenario playing out where God decides we should forgive them. I'm not gonna destroy them. But here's the thing, it's really not that crazy of a thing to have done. And there's actually a couple clues that we have as to, as to how this is really not a new play in God's book. Okay, in chapter four, we actually find out that Jonah, Jonah knew that this was a possibility. Jonah actually comes to God and has a fight with him in chapter four and says, I told you at the very start, I didn't wanna go because I knew you'd do this. What does that say about Jonah? Again, he's just the worst. But Jonah says, I knew I knew when you told me to go to Nineveh and give this message that they were, gonna, they were gonna change and you were gonna have mercy on them. And so Jonah was not caught off guard at all by this action of God. Jonah wasn't surprised at all because the other clue that's in here is God says 40 more days. And 40 days is a really significant time period in God's story with his people. Noah and his family were on the ark for how many days? 40. 
How many years did the Israelites wander in the wilderness? 40. How many days was Jesus in the desert being tempted? 40. How many days did Jesus appear to people after his resurrection? 40. 40 days is the period that God says, let's see what happens. 40 days is the period of of trial. 40 days is the period of, let's see if they turn it around. And so the fact that God's message is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. God is saying 40 more days for you to figure out if you want to be overthrown or not. Because this is not the first time that God makes declarations like this to a kingdom. Right? If you read the rest of the Old Testament, time after time after time, God speaks to his people through prophets like Jonah. And his message is, your ways are evil. They are destructive. They're not good. They're not my ways. And if you guys don't turn around, I'm gonna let you be overthrown. You will be overthrown, whether it's from my hand or the hand of your enemy or your own hand yourself. But what you are doing, it doesn't work. It's wrong. And it will be your end. But he always follows it with, but if you would turn back to me, my arms are open wide. I would love to save you. I would rescue you in a heartbeat. But I can't do it when you're choosing what you're choosing. That's the story of God with his people. You don't have a very good way of doing this. It will destroy you. But if you would just turn back to me, I would love to rescue you from it. Right? That's the story of God with his people, and he's playing it out with the Assyrians. And now it's not just a story about Israel. It's not just a story about Nineveh, because this is our story too. Right? The story that we're seeing, it's the story of salvation. God says, hey, your ways are not very good. They will bring about your destruction. Your selfishness, your addiction, your brokenness, your anger, your hate, all of it. It is going to destroy you. And if you keep doing this, you will be overthrown. Your little kingdom of you is not going to last when you do it this way. but you have 40 days, right? That's the story that he tells with us. We are destined for destruction, but he's not done with us. There is an opportunity for mercy and compassion, right? God does not approach the Assyrians with anger, He doesn't approach them with wrath. He doesn't approach them ready to punish them. He he doesn't want to destroy them, and he doesn't want to destroy us. 
God never approaches humanity in saying, let me be vindictive. He says, let me be holy. And I want you to join me. And the second that you are ready to change your heart and stop being the boss of your own life, I have nothing but mercy and compassion waiting for you. That is the good news of Jesus. Right? Our story is not that different from Nineveh, from Israel, except we have God incarnate with us. Right? God did not enter our story as the punisher. He did not enter our story as the vindictive, angry God. He entered our story as Jesus Christ. He entered our story as the one who loved perfectly. He showed us what it looks like to love others. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he has invited us to a completely different life, one that is not destined for destruction. He has invited us to play a role in a kingdom that is everlasting, a kingdom that is redeeming all of this world. God loves Nineveh, even when Jonah doesn't. God loves Nineveh, and he actually uses people like Jonah to reach Nineveh. God says to Nineveh, your way doesn't work. But if you would turn back to me, there's grace. And God says to you, your way doesn't work. You are headed for destruction. But if you would turn back to me, there's a lot of grace and mercy that is just waiting to be given. Absolutely everything that you have done or will do has already been forgiven on a cross 2,000 years ago. Right? It's taken care of. It's done. It has been forgiven. The question is, do you want to accept it? Do you want to turn your heart back to him? And, and he may be using whatever source he can to get that message to you, maybe even a ridiculous source like Jonah. Right, I love the story of Jonah because he is so ridiculous. Right, there, there's humor, it's funny to watch this guy just disobediently fumble through a very simple assignment. And it's really funny until Jonah becomes a mirror that looks at us. And the reality is I see Jonah in me way more than I ever want to admit. I, I see someone that knows God, yet I, I just think that I have a better way sometimes. I don't like the way that he's called me to love, and so I embrace a different way of loving someone. 
And I've got all sorts of great justifications for it. They chop off people's heads and put them on sticks. But really, the way that he has called me to is a much better way. And God wants to use people like Jonah, like you and me, to reach Nineveh. Right? That's, that's the second part of the good news of Jesus. It's not just that we have been saved. It's that we have been saved so that he can use us to save Nineveh. Right? We exist not just for ourselves, not just for a ticket to heaven someday, but to bring heaven here to see our city redeemed and transformed, to see our world redeemed and transformed. God uses people like Jonah, people like you and me, to bring that about. The question is, just like for the Ninevites, do you wanna listen? Do you want to say yes to his way? The reality is, is that that whatever reason that you would not be the right person to be used by God, that your situation is, is not the right situation for God to bring something about, that doesn't work when you've read the story of Jonah. Because there is no messenger worse than Jonah. And there is no city or circumstance worse than Nineveh. Yet God goes to Nineveh and he says, I love you and I want you back. And he goes to Jonah and he says, yes, I want to use you. There is a place for you in my kingdom. Do you want to join me? And so whatever you would fill in the blank of, but what about this? Well, this doesn't matter. There is grace for whatever this is. There is no circumstance that is too evil. There is no life that is too disobedient that God does not want to redeem it and use it for his kingdom. So who are you in the story of Jonah? Maybe you're Jonah who is disobedient. And you know all the right stuff. You know it very clearly, but but you just, no, you've got a different way in mind. And you're still trying to navigate your own way. And it is going to bring about your destruction. And there's grace. You gotta figure out if that grace looks like being thrown overboard or swallowed by a fish or grace in walking into a city like Nineveh and telling it it's gotta change. Maybe you're Jonah who's obedient, but really you're not very happy about it. Right, I think that's, that's just as dangerous a place to be as disobedient. You're there, you're doing all the right stuff, but, but you hate it because you really wanna be doing your own thing. This religion thing, it's very, very inconvenient. Maybe you're Nineveh and you're Nineveh that is doing their own thing. 
you're disobedient and, and you don't really care because you've got all the muscle you need to make sure that you keep going. God says that way doesn't work. It will destroy you. And if you are there, it's really, really cool because it's not that complex of a process to become Nineveh that's repentant. Right? If you look at what the king of Nineveh does, it's, it's not complex. There's not, not months of planning. There's not an execution strategy. It's, it's, hey, everybody, let's stop right now. Let's just change. Let's take a different posture. Okay, this, this is not going to end well for us. And so, so let's, let's change our hearts and let's let our actions follow. Let's do it. Following Jesus, it is not an easy thing, but it is a simple thing. It's a conversation. It says, hey, I know my way is not the best way. And I recognize it will bring about me being overthrown. And so I can, I can let that happen however my way is going to bring that about. Or I can just give you the keys. Say, Jesus, overthrow me right now. That is a really, really good choice to make. And if you've not made it, I hope you do. If you're Jonah and you're disobedient and, and you just don't want to follow, you can, you can keep doing that. But Jonah would tell you it'd be so much better if you just skipped the whole getting thrown overboard and eaten by a fish thing. Just go. Because when you walk into a city like Nineveh and you deliver a message that should get you killed, but it's the message that God has asked you to deliver, even when delivered poorly, over 100,000 people respond. And Jonah doesn't come out with his head on a stick. Right now, now people have free will, right? There is no guarantee that everything's gonna work out wonderful. Some people will choose destruction even when given the best messenger in the world. But your next step does not depend on anybody else. It's right now. And so whatever your next step is, I think you need to take it. And I think you should take it today. Don't wait. Let's pray. Jesus, you are good. You are the God who saves. Thank you for being a God who rescues us. We thank you for not just saving us for the sake of saving us, but saving us so that you might use people like us to save this world. God, I pray for anybody in here who feels like they are Nineveh and they're still just trying to do their own thing and go their own way. 
Lord, I pray that you would show them way before 40 days is up just where that path leads. I pray that they would know the mercy and compassion that awaits anyone who says, let's call on the Lord. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are Jonah. And they need to take a step of obedience. Lord, whatever that is, I pray that they would have the courage to take it. I pray that we, your people at City Church, would be people who have the courage to say yes. So Lord, may we be the bride that you envision. May we be people who are obedient, who love being obedient, and who see your kingdom come here like it is in heaven. Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen.